0: Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate, brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and
1: this is Real Life Real Estate Investing. Striving this week and every week to be your free public radio source for the inspiration and information you need to start or grow your real estate investing business. And today we have a show for those of you who are sitting around quaking in your boots about all the, quote, competition that's out there. I'm starting to hear that again. I'm, every market I go to, I'm starting to hear. But, but our our market is so competitive. Our our real estate association is huge, and and everyone's looking for deals. And there's a bandit sign on every telephone pole. And and if you're not if you're not one of the top two real estate investors in the city, there are just no deals for you. Which is, of course, never the truth. And you guys who think the market's competitive right now, we're not around in 2006, or you would have seen a competitive market. But in either case, it's not about sitting around and worrying about the competition. It's not about there's only room for a certain number of people in the market. It's about you just being better than the folks out there who are refusing to devote any time, energy, or money to actually getting trained. And one of the big missing pieces in a lot of real estate entrepreneurs lexicons of uh, skills, if you will, is uh, straight up sales training. And I know when I say that, you're like, oh God, sales training. I remember that from the nineteen fifties. It's also it's also goofy and stilted and nobody wants to be sold to, and yet I would ask you the question, what do you think it is you're doing when you talk to sellers that five or six of your competitors are also talking to? You're selling them My guest today is John Martinez, who is the founder of Peak Performance Sales Systems. He is a sales trainer, coach, and consultant to the top 5% of U.S.-based real estate investors. In other words, those very same people that you're sitting around worrying about are getting their training from John. He has trained hundreds of sales teams and thousands of salespeople to sell using his non-manipulative selling system he is joining us now by phone and live in about three weeks at the orea convention here in cincinnati ohio john welcome to real life real estate
0: Hey, Vina, I'm glad to be here. Uh, Absolutely thrilled to talk to you today.
1: As as I am to you, John. um, This is your first time on the show and your first time actually at the upcoming OREA National Real Estate Summit. So we're excited about that. It's always great to find somebody who's... uh, you know not been not been around on the stage a million times and and has has new and interesting stuff to say uh that can help us build our businesses the the thing that I have had trouble with as I've been as I've been explaining to people about what it is you do and what you talk about is I say well basically <laughs> basically he teaches you how to sell <laughs> sellers and they say wait a minute when I'm when I'm talking to a seller I'm not selling I'm I'm buying I I don't, I don't understand how, how why why would I want to sell a seller? So why don't we just open with that? Why is sales training important to somebody yeah. whose main job in the world right now is really to find the deals, not to find the buyers? That part's easy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, so when we talk about selling, really selling is uh, convincing someone to take action. And even though we write the check if we're, if we're picking up a house at a discount, even if we're writing the check, what we're really selling is the commitment to doing business with us instead of our competition and also accepting the price that we need to pay for a property. Right. So anyone can buy a property at 15 percent above retail market price. <laughs> uh, it takes a real skill to buy a, a, a property at 40 to 50 percent or 40 to 40 to 50 cents on the dollar. That's selling. Also, you mentioned, you know, there's tons of competition. Why would that person do business with you instead of your competition? And you might not always have the highest price, right, the highest offer. There's others out there who might be willing to to offer more for a property because they might not know the market. They might, um, you know, they they might have a better buyer's list. There might be a number of reasons why they would pick up a property at 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 a higher offer. So why in the world would a seller sell a property that you want so bad to you instead of your competition? So those are the types of conversations we guide our, 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 uh, really our, our customers through.
1: Isn't, isn't buying great deals really just about the seller's motivation? I mean, isn't he pretty much just going to say yes or no depending on what he feels like he can take for his property at this moment?
0: So, there's, you know, that, that's, a, that's a pretty broad question, but uh, let me answer it a couple of different ways. First, it's a yes and a no. A yes uh, meaning this uh, they will take action based on the amount of urgency and motivation they feel. Uh, but here's the thing we can increase motivation and urgency by asking a few simple questions. You know, lots of times when we have a problem, like a distressed property, We know we got a problem. We know we we need to do something about it. But oftentimes, no one ever guides us through through, through the conversation, and and we never really think about, what's this property actually costing me? I mean, not just financially, but physically, mentally, emotionally, how I spend my time. Is it impacting my family members, or what all is it impacting, and, and is that worth taking action on? And guiding them through that conversation can actually build that that motivation and urgency to take action, where you might have a prospect who's on a fence when you begin that conversation, but then by the end they're motivated to take action. So in that sense, yeah, they're going to gauge whether or not they sell based on motivation, but you have a lot of input on on helping to uh, not create motivation out of thin air, but help your prospect get in touch with why they would or wouldn't move a property. Does that make sense?
1: It it, it, it absolutely does, yes. Uh, and we're going to take a quick break because uh, I want to get into some, just some specifics with you, John, after the break about um, how to deal with certain kinds of sellers that we're all very familiar with who are a little more hostile or who maybe want to withhold information from us or who uh, just want to just want to play the game of no, 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 I'm not going to tell you what I want for my house, you just come and make me an offer. And then I will decide whether or not I actually want to sell my house. And I think that's going to be a, 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 some, something of a lengthy discussion. I also want to give listeners a chance to give us a call. And Listeners, what I would suggest to you is if you have had a recent conversation with a seller or you are, you fear, you fear that something is going to come up uh, when you talk to a seller. Like there's this, there's this objection. Maybe it's only in your head. Maybe you've never actually heard it, but it, it scares you that some seller might say that. John would be a great person to kind of bounce that off of and and get some feedback on how you might deal with that. Our number here in the studio is 877-772-9658, 877-772-9658. You can also get to us by uh, sending an email through our website. Just go to realliferealestate.com, click the ask a question button, fill in the email form and it'll come here. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to real life real estate investing i'm your host Vina Jones Cox, and having a discussion today, hopefully not alone. hopefully you guys are gonna call in and give us some give us some of your toughest negotiation and sales questions um, our number here in the studio once again is 877-772-9658. You can also send an email by going to realliferealestate.com. My guest today is John Martinez, who is one of the 14 expert presenters at the OREA National Real Estate Summit coming up here in Cincinnati on November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th, held by the nonprofit Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. If you are hearing about that for the first time, I don't know where you've been. Like the whole country is aware of this, but you can find out all about it by going to wmkvfm.org. That's the station's uh, website, wmkvfm.org. So, John, one of the funny things that I that I found about, um, you know, I went through your course. I've looked at your website. I've seen, you know, the materials you've sent to to us to give to people at OREA and one of the things you keep saying over and over again is you keep referring to the old sales techniques and as some, right. as somebody who was who was um, made to take the Dale Carnegie sales course when I was in 11th grade by my father wow. who yeah <laughs> by my father who uh, was of a generation where that you know that was that was like it man. Um, I totally got what you were saying because a lot of the stuff, a lot of the stuff that sold in uh, or that was that was kind of taught in those, what I would say, 1950s and 60s and 70s generation sales courses sounds very stilted to the modern era. Right. The the whole if I could tell you a way that I could buy your house for cash in 20 days or less, you'd want to hear more about that. Right. Um, that sort of real. <laughs> it, it sounds really manipulative now. Right like if somebody said that yeah. to me i just i just kinda i just kind of chuckle what what has changed in the american psyche why why i mean that stuff that stuff was considered to be state of the art for right. for fifty years so so what's different now
0: well so uh, great question and and really it all boils down to this um whenever we deal with the salesperson. Uh, we, we naturally, when we identify, okay, I'm dealing with the salesperson now, in, in most sales situations, prospects, or we when we're buying something, we usually go into those scenarios, those exchanges, with a little bit of apprehension, with a little bit of fear, with a little bit of anxiety. We're afraid that we're going to be misled by a salesperson. We're afraid that we might get one of those salespeople that, that doesn't take no for an answer and just pushes, 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 and then and, and just won't let us off the hook. Um, we're afraid of all these things. So anything a, per- a salesperson does that sets off that radar of uh-oh I'm about to be sold. We really have learned uh, As a society to start holding back, you know, I don't want to say too much because they might use it against me I don't want to uh, say too much and share too much Because I might not get the best deal possible if they know my true motivation so you know because of all those things salespeople have been doing for 40 or 50 years They've really conditioned buyers or sellers or prospects, however you want to look at them, to, to they've conditioned them to, to hide and lie and disappear and do all those things that drive salespeople crazy. So all those old school techniques really force behaviors to do the thing, force prospects to do those behaviors that, that really drive salespeople crazy.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so in a sense, it's like the whole country has become more inoculated, to the right. sales pitch like they know they know it's coming they know it they know it when they hear it and and we don't we don't like the idea of being sold to which is funny because on some level everybody wants to be sold to right everybody everybody wants to hear this yeah. is the solution to your problem and i have it for i mean that's if i'm if i'm looking to sell a house i want somebody to say i've got i've got your solution and yet at the same time i will right. resist that
0: yeah, everyone wants their problems solved, but no one wants to be sold to. I think you put that that beautifully. Um, you know, we, we do want our problems solved, but we don't want to be sold to. We've got this natural, you know, we've got these these defense mechanisms that automatically pop up when we're talking to a salesperson, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what we need to do as salespeople is stay out of that mold. Uh, think about telemarketers. I mean, how many seconds goes by? When you get a call from a telemarketer, before you know that's a telemarketer. I mean, is it even one or two seconds before you go, okay, telemarketer on the phone?
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. One or two seconds, and what happens? We all know within that first one or two seconds, what's going through your head? You're thinking, hey, when they when they stop talking, the first second chance, the first second I get, I know exactly what I'm going to say. Take me off your list. I might hang up. I might say I'm not interested. That's that that automatic just just reaction, just so that gut instinct that we have towards salespeople. So I guess the point is the old school sales techniques, that's what we do to our prospects. When we when we're recognized and identified as a salesperson, our prospects go into automatic pilot and they start putting up all those walls. So in essence, that's that's why the old school sales just doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, in in my world, especially as we're talking about um, sellers, it's not like it's not like I'm cold calling them, right? They're they're responding to something that I have put out there—a sign or a letter or something—and yeah. yet, weirdly, they are sometimes still hostile when they call. You know. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, yep. they'll they'll call and they'll say I got your postcard and I'm not letting you steal my house you know and, and my, thought, right. my 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 first thought is if you thought I was going to steal your house why did you call me i don't you know i'm i'm not i'm not, I'm not following why we are opening this conversation about me helping you with you being hostile what is what is your best yeah. what is your best advice for dealing with somebody like that who 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 seems to be determined to be like on the uh, you know aggressively on the other side of the table right. from moment one?
0: So it, it it boils back to those same prospect fears and anxieties. I don't want to be misled. I don't want to be taken advantage of. Um, you know, I want to get the best deal possible. I want to make sure I make the best decision. Some people show it. Um, by holding things close to their chest. Others, you know, fight or flight, right? Others show it by being hostile immediately. So when it comes to that, my best advice is this. Get yourself out of that quote-unquote salesperson mold immediately because that's what they've already, they've identified you as someone who's going to take advantage of them, sell them into something that they don't want, uh, or steal a property. So what we do is instead of pushing for a yes, you know, you need to sell me that house, and here's the reasons why, like like any typical salesperson would do. What we do is we do the opposite that a salesperson would do. We gently tug them towards a the nose, Something like, "Hey, listen, I I appreciate the call, but you know, it, it sounds to me like I, I might have done something to upset you. I might have said something to upset you. It sounds to me like you might not be ready to sell the place, no matter how much I could offer for the house." And using that technique. Pulling them towards a no instead of pushing, 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 and hammering for a yes usually changes the whole momentum of that conversation within seconds. It goes from, you're not stealing my house, to, well, no, I've got to get rid of it. And then we can start talking about the problem that they called you to solve.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, it's so funny to watch, particularly, particularly new investors who are kind of, you know, they're they're just out there trying to do their first deal or trying to make this thing work and trying to prove to themselves and their families that they can actually make enough money flipping houses or lease optioning houses or whatever. Yep. What, what, watching them be afraid to tell, to, to to let a seller off the hook, which, which it sounds a little bit like what you were doing there, right? Like, Oh, well, right. you know, if, 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 Hey, if it's upsetting you this much, to think about selling your house maybe you just shouldn't sell your house and and and, and the, you know the newer investors will often will often be like i can't say that then they'll then they'll hang up but my opinion is if you say that to them or my experience is if you say to them something like wow it just doesn't really sound like you're ready to sell and they say well no i'm not that's good cuz now you know
0: <laughs> absolutely right one of two things happens when you pull them for a no you find out it really is a no and no matter what you do you're not getting that house you just saved yourself weeks of follow-up time, or they'll begin to tell you the reasons why they would, and that little bit of motivation is what you capitalize on. That's what—that's the reason why they would do business with you. So that's exactly where you want to get to. Um, you know, I'm—I'm I'm a sales trainer by trade. I've been doing it for almost 20 years, but uh, we, since we do so much in real estate, we started virtually wholesaling uh, four weeks ago. So I'm now officially in real estate, too. We did it so we could uh, record the calls for our trainings and play them for our pupils. But uh, interesting enough, we've now done eight deals as of about five minutes ago. I just got a text on my last one. Um, And half of those deals all started with retail sellers that wanted more than what the house would – more than the ARV on the property. And by using that technique you just just mentioned, starting with the no – Hey, are you sure you even want to sell? Sounds like you you want this much. You probably just need to lift it, put it on the market for six months, wait for the perfect. That's how all of those calls started. Now, in four weeks, those eight calls, we just netted uh, looks like about 165k. And and I'm not even in real estate. That's the power of going pulling towards a no instead of pushing 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 towards a yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Our numbers here in the studio are 877-772-9658. You can also reach us by email. It's a, it's a little tricky. You've got to go to our website. you got to go to our website at realliferealestate.com. Click the Ask a Question button. Uh, just write down whatever you, whatever you want to ask and also where you are writing from would be great. And uh, we'll get these questions over here to John Martinez, who obviously, if you've been paying any attention at all, uh, knows what he's talking about when he talks about negotiating with sellers. So give us a call. Send us an email. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today, John Martinez, who is uh, going to be one of the brand new, those are always exciting, brand new uh, speakers at the OREA National Real Estate Summit this year. He's not a brand new speaker. He's been doing this for years and years. brand new to us. So if you are not yet signed up for that event, you really need to go to wmkvfm.org and look at the top of the page, and uh, it will direct you as to how to go about doing that. It's really inexpensive. It's under $200 to come, and it's under 300 for you and a partner to come, and it's the biggest event in the country, and you can probably see why we have great experts as well as uh, great attendees who are there all to, you know, share resources and learn and support each other and all that kind of stuff. So uh, hope to see you here on November 3rd, 4th, 5th and 6th or some portion thereof. Uh, now, John, going back to some of the uh, kind of hardcore stuff about uh, dealing with sellers, Um We have a question here also from John uh, from Atlanta that says, does John have a suggested follow-up schedule? I've always heard that even if a seller says no to your price, you should follow up with them fairly regularly. Does that mean once a week, once a month, once a year? And what does one say during that conversation?
0: Yeah, great, great question. And the answer is absolutely you need a follow-up schedule. Um, you know, I, I, I was at an event this last week and uh, I was speaking to a couple uh, in the California area and they, they netted over a million dollars last year flipping houses. And they said uh, 350,000 of that were all in the long term follow up. So that long term follow up can be, can be something you say, but it could also be email, text, uh, you know, voicemails, anything like that. Uh, as far as schedules go, um, it, it, it's kind of tough to say, you know, every X amount of days. But you want more frequent follow-ups at the beginning. So if you have a conversation, doesn't go anywhere, uh, or maybe you get a lead and you don't have that initial conversation, you're going to do, do more frequent follow-ups for those first couple of months because, um, you know, they might have another deal that fell through. They might try to list it, but that doesn't work out. They might run into other problems. Their situation could change. As time goes on, you want to remain top of mind. So, you know, once you get two, three, four, five, six months out, you might go from a weekly follow-up to a monthly follow-up and then just leave it there. Uh, When you talk to them, very simple. what There's any really – what you say, you just need to concentrate on what not to say. What you don't want to say is, are you ready now? Are you ready now? Are you ready now? (laughs) We found that the most effective sales conversations are – Hey, listen, just following up, don't know if your situation changed. I assume, I'm assume i going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to assume that it hasn't changed. Uh, but if it does, you know where we are. If there's any other way we can help provide value, provide value, provide value, uh, let us know and we'll point you in the right direction, even if the solution isn't us buying your house. So you want to help. You want to make yourself a resource. You don't want to push them, push them, push them, because they'll stop opening those emails or answering your calls. So start them out with, I'm going to go ahead and assume nothing's changed. That's okay. Just want to follow up, do my due diligence, and see if there's any other way I can help you out. If not, no problem. You know how to reach me.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 100%. And actually, we have a bunch of questions coming in now. Um, that uh, some a couple of them actually appear to be around the same thing, which has to do with uh, – uh, earlier in our discussion here, John, I had said something about sure. – I gave an example of a seller who doesn't want to give the price, who, you know, you, you get to that question about what are you looking to get for your property, and they say, well, what? you just come out and make me an offer, and we've got – two different questions one from carol and one from clay that are around the idea of okay but how do you get them to give you a price
0: (laughs) sure sure so that that the price question is is what i call a dangerous question i call it a dangerous question because you never know what you're going to get sometimes people just give you a price other times they jump down your throat why do you need to know that again it goes back to those fears and anxieties i don't want to be taken advantage of i don't want to go first so uh, couple couple pieces here. Uh, one is don't ask the question, and I'll explain what that means. With a dangerous question like that, how do you avoid a negative response or no response at all? Don't ask it. What we usually do is we tell sellers they have no idea what they want for the for the for the property, and then they make it their mission to correct us. Right when we push, we get pushback. Um, opposite and equal reaction. So way we ask for price initially is. Hey, listen, uh, I don't suppose you have any idea what you even want out of that place. One of two things will happen. They'll either uh, agree with you and you're building rapport. You didn't get your answer, but you didn't, you didn't make an enemy either. Or they correct you and tell you exactly what they want. Now, that's one strategy. Uh, you can use that to start out to see if they volunteer that information without you even having to ask. Next don't talk about their house specifically. So a great way, a great follow-up to that or even initial question is, hey, I haven't had time to do a lot of research yet. Do you have any idea what homes in that area are going for? When we don't ask them specifically about that, their house, they're much more likely to give us information. Yeah, 100, 120. Okay, great. Were you expecting to get more or less for your property? Why is that? See, we can narrow down exactly what they want And what they're asking for without really ever asking them what do you want for your house because that's very direct and people tend to push back so there's a couple little nuggets I I hope those help
1: yep yep absolutely and and uh, this is all it's amazing that you say you're not in real estate (laughs) because every everything you're saying is is conversations that I have had or overheard in, in in real estate so um, you know impressive e s p. you have there, or else years of sales training one or the other <laughs> um okay, so go ahead
0: no, go ahead, go ahead
1: uh so one of the one of the things that I w- want to warn listeners who might be you know newer to the process of talking to sellers of is that not everyone who calls you is actually a prospect. And right now, right now in the market, we have a lot of we have a lot of actually even even intermediate level investors who've done lots of deals, who are talking to sellers for the first time in their lives, because prior to this, who they talked to was realtors, mm-hmm. and and now that now that that you know the the listed inventory market has dried up a lot, and and many of us are having to go out there and use you know Kathy Kinderbrooks methods of getting uh deals coming directly to us these these are new conversations for, to these folks when you when you're dealing with a real estate agent you're not really negotiating you're just putting a number on paper and throwing the paper at somebody and seeing what they throw back at you there's not necessarily a whole lot of negotiation going on there but i see i see folks wasting enormous time just basically like anyone who calls them and says i have a house for sale they'll go look at the house Without even right. without even knowing if there's a if there's a possible deal there, how do you how do you how do you tell people to or, or do you tell people to do any process of separating just called from actually potentially has a deal?
0: Absolutely. You got to separate those. You know, the most the most valuable thing we have at our disposal is our time. And if we spend all of our time talking to people and working with people that never are going to sell us their property for what we need to buy it at, we're not talking to all the people that possibly would. So we need to separate those out. Now, depending on what your lead flow looks like, if you've got tons of leads, you're going to disqualify uh, and set some pretty high high qualification standards for who you do go see. Um, If you've only got some leads dripping in, your qualification standards might be a little lower. It might be as simple as, is there equity in the property, right? But so number one, what you need to do is is determine what are the qualifiers? What is worth you spending your time to go out and look at a property? And then you just simply work those questions into your script. Uh, I use two qualifiers myself. One is equity. And the other one, I kind of lump under motivation. And when when I say motivation, it's do they really have a problem they want solved or an opportunity that they want to be able to capture? See, we don't ever take action unless we're solving a problem or, or capturing an opportunity. If there's no distance between where someone is and where they want to be, we can't, if we can't solve that problem, they will never sell their house to us. So I identify how big is this problem they have. Is it worth taking action on, and is there equity in the property? And if they meet both of those qualifiers – to me I, I'm ready to go because we can convert a lot of those deals
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. yes um, and that's another thing that I don't know maybe people have to learn it for themselves maybe they can't hear it from a sales trainer with decades of experience but there the, the, there is so much time to be wasted going out and talking you know getting in your car driving through traffic to somebody's house who if you offered them full price might not <laughs> might not actually Absolutely. be willing to take that um we we actually had one of those calls today this this lady got a got a postcard and she literally said well i don't know i wasn't really thinking about moving or anything but i got your postcard and i thought i'd call and see you know what you guys had to had to say, <laughs> it's like, well, thank yeah. you for calling. I mean, <laughs> how 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 much how much more conversation do we really need to have?
0: Right, right, and you know, sometimes when that happens, uh, we we do deal with a lot of callers that are quote unquote fine, right? It sounds like she was fine, she was okay, just calling. Uh, but what we find is, instead of looking for pain or a problem in those situations, we ask what we call a picture perfect question. Um, it, it sounds like this. Hey, you know, I I totally appreciate that. We get these kind of calls all the time. Let me ask you a question. If you did decide to sell your property for any price, why would you? And whatever they answer there, you just uncovered their motivation. And then you can ask a couple quick follow-up questions to, to gauge that motivation. So you'll get lots of callers where people are fine just checking you out, but they picked up that phone for a reason. So to get to that motivation, hey, obviously you don't need to sell. That's okay. But let me ask you a question. If you did decide to sell your property to me or to anyone else for any amount of money, why would you? And that will give you a glimpse into why they picked up that phone in the first place. Now you've got a little something to work with.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, I need to take a last break and invite folks once again to ask any questions that they have to take advantage of your knowledge here john uh our number here in the studio which is probably going to be the the surest way to reach us since we only have about 10 minutes left in the program is 877-772-9658 if you want to do it the chicken way by email you can go to realliferealestate.com click the ask a question button and send in your question that way either way we'll be back to answer those right after this Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host Vina Jones Cox. Hopefully, you are starting to see why it is that so many folks are coming to the OREA National Summit here in the Cincinnati area. John is one of the 14 great speakers, and they are all great speakers, and they all have um, different areas of expertise. They're all, you know, active in the market. Uh, they're all this open and sharing with their information. So uh, it's just, it's it's an amazing experience just overall. Like you're going to have fun. You're going to be inspired. You're going to get to unplug for three or four days and actually focus on your business. And how many times have you been sitting sitting up at night going, man, if I just had some time to focus on my business, maybe I could stop working this job I don't like. WMKVFM.org is where you go to find out more about this event and um how you can get involved yourself and time is time is, is is ticking here folks I checked this morning and we are about eight short of 600 registrants and at 800 we actually have to cut it off at 800 we do not have enough space for everybody so uh you might want to do that asap Uh, Okay, so, John, man, there are like a million, a million things I want to talk about with you because uh, this is this is so important. And it's 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 interesting because I noticed that the talking with the seller's thing, the negotiating with the seller's thing, the selling to the seller's thing is something that a lot of people struggle with, but they don't know they don't know how to fix it. You know, it's not, it's, this isn't, this isn't something like, well, I I don't know how to, I don't know what the contract is for wholesaling house. So I'm just going to go ask someone, (laughs) you know, it's, it's not so easy to ask someone how to deal with, uh, with, with these issues where I'm not getting, I'm not getting appointments. I'm not I'm getting appointments, but I'm not getting contracts. Uh, so very glad to have you on today. the, the, next place I want to go with the limited amount of time we have is this idea of it's one thing to get a seller to agree to show you his property and talk to you about price it's a different thing to to present that contract and get it signed and uh-huh. and just recently I've heard a lot of people say things like well you know I really thought I had him." Um, And then I showed up for what I thought was, I thought we were agreed on the price. I thought I was sitting down to sign a contract. And when I got there, they said, oh, well, uh, I need to take this and talk to my family, or I need to take this and show it to my attorney, or I need to take this and think about it for a while. Is there, what's going on there? And is there some magic for overcoming that?
0: There's no magic, but there's process. Uh, So here's, Here's how we address that in the simplest terms. So most salespeople in general, not just in real estate, but in all industries, are afraid to bring up potential deal killers. They feel like, I know these things might get in the way. I know these things often get in the way, whether it's other family members or advisors uh, you know, advising or or anything like that. They don't want to bring up those things. They're afraid to because they might hear a no. Because of that, they avoid those conversations. And they avoid all those potential deal killers. But the thing is, it doesn't mean those deal killers or potential deal killers have gone away. It just means we didn't address them. So by the time we give our offer or present contract, we've 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 changed the tone of the conversation. By the time we get to that, see, up until that point, it's an even give and take. We can ask questions. They have questions. We have questions. We talk and we share. But after we make our offer, that prospect has everything they need for us. So at that time when we're trying to pull out, whoa, what stopped this deal? It's too late. So the best advice is this. Every potential deal killer, you want to bring up in the initial conversation before you present your offer or you, or you go through your presentation or present contract. Because after that point, you've given up all your leverage and good luck having that conversation then. Mm-hmm. So there's very simple ways to deal with all objections up front.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, and and what's funny is, um, well, it's not funny. It's it's slightly tragic, (laughs) is is how how messed up how messed up folks will get in their heads about this, right? Because the the story is always, I thought I had a deal and then i sat down with them and they basically had sort of shut down on me and they took the contract and now they won't return my phone calls and what's happening there is that the investor is torturing themselves about it right they're there's what 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 right. could i have done wrong what could i have said wrong i i bet and and you know it's 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 well, at least before i got to the point where i would just say so what's stopping you from signing right now uh i would torture myself for weeks about Right. Maybe maybe somebody else made them an offer. Maybe that maybe that sister in law of theirs told them not to sign. Maybe that and it, it's so much easier just to find out what the answer is. Even if even if like you said, it's it's bad news that you don't especially want to hear. At least you know what it is.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and and I think you hit the nail on the head there. It, it's just guessing. We don't know what killed that deal, so that's why it's so important. While the conversation is open, while people aren't feeling pressure to make a decision, yes or no. We can easily talk about those things. And if we want to get our prospects past them, we simply ask them a very simple question. Hey, you've got this concern. You've got this objection. Is it worth solving pain, 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 problem, 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 or getting to this opportunity? So we always start with that problem or opportunity. That's why I said that's one of my main qualifiers, because once we uncover that, Anything that gets in our way, we simplify that conversation for the prospect and said, I know you're worried about that, that conversation with your sister. Is it worth solving pain, 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 all the stress, all this that you told me about? Mm -hmm. And we simply help them make those decisions before we even present our offer.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Great advice. Um, Question here from Mark in New York City. God bless long-time listeners who are paying such careful attention to the podcast on real life, real com, Uh, he, he actually has a question for you about one of my prior guests and something he said, which is, uh, he says okay. he, he would love to know, uh, if you know about neurolinguistic programming and what your thoughts are on it. And this is based on the fact that back in, uh, Around May or June, uh, Bill Twyford was on the show talking about NLP and uh, sort of how he uses that to have conversations with sellers and with uh, banks in short sales.
0: Sure, sure. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know as much about that as as I should. Um, when it comes to, you know, neuroscience, I, I'm, I'm pretty heavy into neuroeconomics, so how how uh the neuroscience plays into the decision making process but uh, i i know with nlp there's there's a whole lot going on there and i i agree with quite a bit of it um bottom line is this when it comes to neuroscience we do make decisions in a very specific way and what neuroscience teaches us uh the, the deeper piece of this whole puzzle is neuroscience teaches us when we see how how quickly the synapses in the brain fire and where they fire when we're making a decision, all of these real estate decisions, all these complex decisions, are made in the emotional center of the brain, where the limbic system is, uh, the the hippocampus, the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. All all the neuroscience points to it's an emotional decision. So just to simplify the answer to this, uh, what he's getting at is this is an emotional decision, and you need to speak to a prospect in an emotional language, uncover emotional impact and, and go at it from that angle. Uh NLP specifically, um, you know, I'm not as well versed in that uh to 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 really give a highly qualified answer. So I'm sorry I've got to back away from that one a little bit.
1: That's still a very detailed answer. Um question here from Anna in Cincinnati, and we're we're down to, to just a couple of minutes here, John, so if I have to interrupt okay. you that that's why. She says, my main problem is not that I'm not good at talking to sellers. It's that I have a full-time job and I need virtual assistants to talk to sellers. Is there any way that I'm going to train a virtual assistant to be as good as John sounds on the phone? (laughs) (laughs) We, We
0: actually train about 200 virtual assistants right now out of the Philippines to do everything we're talking about. So it's yes. Uh, We we have to simplify scripts. It takes a little longer. But we have virtual assistants who are cold calling, uh, looking for leads, hey, any chance you'd like an offer on your house, to following up with inbound leads. And even on the East Coast with some of the larger investors in the U.S., investors doing uh, 90 flips at any given time or, or picking up 20 to 50 properties a month they are now using some of the the highly uh, the, the the better virtual assistants to go through and make the offers over the phone so uh short answer is yes it can be done it is a little more work but there are places where you can find some pretty highly qualified uh vAs
1: mhm mhm and that makes me want to a- ask a follow-up question which is uh is it is it uh... My my fear with with ever hiring and training salespeople, is is it going to be so complicated to do that when they leave, I'm back to square one, and it's this horrible process of having to start all over again, in months to get people back up to to speed on on this very important part of my business. So, right. if you could talk just a little bit about um, kind of how to how to keep them around, how to, how to coach them, how to manage them.
0: Yeah, sure. So, you know, salespeople are like anybody. They're all motivated for their own reasons. I think there's a common myth out there that all salespeople, all they're motivated with is money. But what I've found and what other studies have found to be true is like any other job, salespeople are all motivated by different intrinsic factors. So we look at stuff like autonomy, mastery, purpose. Usually those are the three strongest uh, drivers for, for motivation. So some salespeople we keep around by just saying, hey, if you hit your numbers, no more sales meeting. You're, you're in control of your day, right? You have complete autonomy. Once those you dip below those numbers, then we got to talk and you got to jump back in the program. Sometimes it's mastery. They want to teach others. They want to know they're a master at their craft. And sometimes it's purpose. Am I a part of a higher mission? Am I really contributing more than just buying houses? So the real secret there is find out what motivates each individual salesperson and structure their comp plan or their day or their duties to reinforce that. And that'll keep them around long term. There's only so much money you can throw at a salesperson to keep them around. Someone's going to always offer more money, especially if they're good.
1: Nice. Okay, excellent. I am so looking forward to seeing your entire presentation at the OREA summit coming up coming up in a month because it's it's always so much easier when you have 90 minutes all to yourself and there's not you know some host interrupting you and asking questions all the time Uh, so we look we look forward to seeing you uh again listeners information about that at wmkvfm.org wmkvfm.org we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing until then happy investing